0: Twitter handle, at Religion of Woke, all one word. Come on over and help me print money and put sanctions on Russia. All right, I finished and published my podcast, but I forgot to say this, so I'm just going to throw it in right here. The Federal Reserve controls interest rates. These are the rates that banks charge each other for borrowing money, and the Fed moves that rate up and down with a goal. The goal is to balance inflation versus unemployment and so I think the way it's currently understood you can either you know have people who are sitting on a pile of money have that money keep being worth money or that you know keep being worth what it's worth or you can have people who are unemployed get a job so those are considered two opposing things that interest rates control it's just it's a teeter- totter and you move the interest rate back and forth as you try and not let one of those things you know, fall off the teeter-totter. All right, now back to the what I originally recorded. So I'm listening to a podcast. Glenn Lowry is talking to Larry Kotlikoff. Uh, I think they're both Ivy League economists. Um, apparently, they're going to give some numbers on the debt, so maybe I'll tell you about them here. So from 2010 to today, uh, the on-the-books debt has gone from 25% of GDP to 110% of GDP so GDP is like let's well, gross domestic product. It's how much money you make basically you know, a, a, a country is nothing like a person, but we're, just gonna, we're gonna pretend. It's like a person So GDP is like how much money you make per year So let's say you make a hundred grand a year That'd be like in 2010 you owed 25 grand and now today you own you owe 110 grand And you can't you can't really call this like a mortgage you can't call that a mortgage. Like say you buy a million dollar house, so you take out a million dollar mortgage. That doesn't really mean that you owe a million dollars. I mean you do have to pay a million dollars for the mortgage, but you are now in possession of something worth a million dollars, the house. So without getting too fancy, basically buying a million dollar house leaves your debt at zero dollars because you got a million dollars of assets, a million dollars of debts, cancels out. So again, you can't really c- pretend that a country is like a person because first off, a person can't print their own money but um so I guess you I guess we'll call this uh you know this debt uh, it's more like a credit card debt, and you know maybe you uh you've been going out to eat, so you know you did get a bunch of food, you got to live for a year, and you got to eat a bunch of good food, but you don't have anything that you can turn back into cash so let's just say this again it's like you make a hundred grand yo. In 2010, you had 25 grand in credit card debt, and now you have 110 grand in credit card debt. You know, and if I was a person with that kind of debt and I could print money, I think I'd start printing some money. Hell, I think I'd probably print 110 grand worth of money. <laughs> and then the next thing they say is so that was on the books debt, but there's off the books debt, which is basically like Social Security and Medicaid. Like something you're gonna have to pay for in the future, but you don't have to pay it right now. And that stuff is, uh, seven times GDP. So, you know, if you make a hundred grand, it's like you owe 700 grand towards, uh, whatever your and everyone else's retirement and healthcare. Now, so then the podcast goes off into a bunch of esoteric economic stuff that, uh, I'm not finding useful. So I'll just talk about economics a little bit. So The first thing is like government debt is not the same as personal debt and the government at least the U.S. government doesn't just print money. Like you know, say the you know say the U.S. government owes twenty trillion dollars. Well, they don't just print twenty trillion dollars and give it out. The Federal Reserve is the organization that prints the money, and they're appointed by people in the government, like the president. But they're kind of separate, also. And anyways, they you know they can print money, but they don't just give it to the government to pay the government's debts. They loan it to banks so that the banks can loan it to other people. Like the crash of two thousand or whatever, the recession of two thousand seven, um, the problem there was like they gave money to the banks, but there were no like good people for the banks to loan the money to, you know, like housing, whatever. You know, you loan it out as mortgages. Oh, but the people are not paying their mortgages. Anyways. It didn't stimulate the economy because the banks didn't have no one to lend it to. No good, you know. No one was uh, expanding their companies. No one was no no one who could pay back a mortgage was actually getting mortgages. And then just a the general thing about economics in general, no one knows anything. The more I learn about economics, the more you know. The more I get into the weeds, the more I find out that no one really knows how economics work. So like, what's going to happen when the U.S. borrows, you know, however much? 10 times more than their GDP, 100, 1,000, you know, is there any limit to it? People think there probably is some limit to it before something bad happens, but they don't know where that limit is. And to complicate things, uh, the U.S. dollar is like, that's what the whole world runs on. So, you know, maybe maybe, uh, Argentina can't go crazy in debt, but uh, maybe America can, because no one cares about the Argentinian... Whatever they got, probably a peso. Uh, But the U.S. dollar, that gives us power. That gives us power over the world. The world kind of supports us, I guess, basically. Like the U.S., we can put sanctions on any country we want. Why is that? It's because of the U.S. dollar. Like we put sanctions on Russia. I mean, Russia is a big-ass country. You'd think that you wouldn't be able to mess them over. But we can. We got the dollar. They ain't got the dollar. They want our dollars, and we don't want their rubles. They got a problem. And let me see if I can explain some aspects of inflation. I mean, I am not an expert. And like I say, experts don't know. But they give an example about, I guess after World War II, there was a, in one year there was a 25% inflation on the dollar. So that means the dollar is not worth as much. So, you know, like every consumer, you're going to buy a house, you're going to buy milk or a car or whatever, you're paying 25% more. The price of things went up. But there's always two sides to these kind of stories. And so the government that owed a bunch of money, well, that was like they owed 25% less all of a sudden. Dollars ain't worth as much. They're easier to get a hold of now because they're, you know, because they're cheaper. I'm going to say worthless. They're not worthless, but they're cheaper. And, you know, maybe you used to have to pay $100 for a plumber to fix your toilet. Now you got to pay $125 for a plumber to fix your toilet, which means the plumber is making more money, which means he's paying more in taxes. So now the government is getting more money in, and it just makes it easy for them to uh, pay off their debt when there's inflation. All right, whatever about that. But uh, maybe here's the real important part about inflation. So rich people control everything, you know. So who really does not want inflation? Like say you're a rich person sitting on a million dollars worth of cash. Inflation would be terrible. You know, if there's 50% 50 inflation or something, you just lost half your money. So rich people control the government and the Federal Reserve and they get them to fight inflation as much as possible. And then, you know, the other side of that story is that poor people it can be good for them to have some inflation. Like the plumber I'm talking about, he he's now making more money. All right, then we'll go back to the the debt and the dollar. So apparently half of the debt is owned by uh you know, pretty much older Americans and the other half of the debt is owned by foreigners. Okay, now this part I didn't understand. But basically, winners and losers can be chosen from those two groups. Foreigners and, you know, old voters. And obviously, the politicians, they do not want to piss off old voters. I think maybe this is how it works. So, like, so you print a bunch of money. Okay, now the dollar is worth less. So, sorry foreigners, all those trillions of dollars you got stockpiled, they're worth less than they were. But this money that you printed, I mean, you know, what are you doing with that money? Maybe you're building, you know, maybe you're fixing the potholes. Maybe you're uh, giving people health care in America. So, you know, the dollar may be be worth a little bit less, but good stuff is happening to Americans. You know, politicians can choose which Americans have good stuff happen to them. But then you might say, well, what about the rich person who's got a million dollars cash and he doesn't want inflation to go up? Well, I think that, you know, that's not that big a deal anymore because rich people don't keep their money in cash. They got their money in a, you know, a sweet condo in Manhattan. They got their money in stocks. They got their money in crypto. And so those things keep going up. So, you know, the rich person would have controlled the politicians and told them not to do this stuff. But maybe they wouldn't this time. And this is all speculative, but, uh... Joe, under, well, under Trump and Biden, we're spending trillions, so we'll see, see what that does. All right, so I want to put inflation kind of this way, um... If you owe money, inflation's great. It makes, you know, it makes what you owe less. And if you have cash, inflation's terrible. It makes what you have worth less. Like there have been times when, uh, I think somewhere between World War I and World War II, the German mark or whatever they were using, uh, it became almost worthless. You know, they had like 1,000% inflation a day or something. And so like a wheelbarrow full, full of bills would buy you a loaf of bread, maybe. If you were sitting on a mountain of debt when that happened, you're like, huh, all gone. I could trade in one loaf of bread and pay off, you know, this debt that I've been accruing with my business for years and years. Yeah, I want to give my opinion on a little bit of a social policy here and money. I support uh, universal basic income. That's just where the government just gives everyone money. No questions asked. Now, would this, you know, help America or drive us into the dumps we don't know i mean no one knows what would happen hasn't really been tried and if you think an economist can tell you what's going to happen from something they can't but i know that when you give me cash it helps me out and i think every other person i've ever met in my entire life you give them cash helps them out too you know helps a rich person out less than a poor person but hey cash is king And then you might go, but hey, what about the debt? Well, like I say, we don't know what happens when the debt gets huge. I mean, it's just getting huger and huger. We don't know what's going to happen. Nothing too crazy has happened yet, basically. So why don't you give me cash? If we're going to find out what crazy thing happens when the debt gets too big, let's do that by giving me cash instead of spending it on probably a bunch of stuff I don't want the money spent on. You know, I will spend the money exactly on what I want the money spent on instead of what the government does. Not that I'm a libertarian, either. That's why I'm hoping uh, Andrew Yang will win the... He'll be the mayor of New York. He's running for it. Uh, It's looking a little iffy if he'll win or not, but he's running. New York is so damn rich that uh, they could start some sort of universal basic income in that city. Unlike, you know, in a way that the rest of America can't afford. Or at least American cities. You know, cities don't have their own money that much. The federal government's where the money is normally. But New York is special. I think the New York Police Department like has maybe five times as much money as like Chicago and L.A. put together or something. Their school system also has whatever. I mean, they got money. Comp- you, know, you compare the amount of money they have to other cities, it is ridiculous. So, if Yang won, it would just be interesting to see what they could do, and then we might start learning about whether or not it's a good thing or not. And hey, if New York crashes and burns... That would be amusing also. All right, so this one economist, I guess he's a pessimist on how uh, the U.S. is uh, running its economics and getting in debt, I guess, especially about the Medicare and Social Security. So he's asked, well, okay, if you think like, you know, U.S. government bonds, U.S. government debt is not a good thing to be putting your money into, what do you put your money into? Say you're China. And you got tons of money in U.S. bonds. Like, uh, what should you put it into instead? And he says that Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and maybe Chile. Like, these are the only, according to this guy, these are the only responsible countries in the world that you want to own their debt. So that's, whatever, that's crazy. You know, basically it's the, it's all the British colonies. So, you know, the debt is in America. That's one of the British colonies. And whatever, he just likes the other British colonies. I think he would have said, put it into Germany or something else if if he thought they were worth anything. I don't know. That was a little weird. Another thing he said was, put it into U.S. stocks. I guess, basically, he doesn't think you should be buying U.S. government debt. You should just be buying U.S. stocks. So, I don't know if China's allowed to go buy all U.S. stocks. I mean, they'd be able to buy so much of it. Anyways, that was interesting. Basically, he thinks that, you know, Social Security, where this generation pays for the previous generation... He thinks that's a Ponzi scheme and it ain't gonna last, and who knows. So there's a paradigm shift going on amongst economists right now. Basically all the, you know, Chicago School of Economics, University of Chicago, Harvard, whatever, they all taught the same things for, I don't know, like a hundred years. And you know, it's like, oh my gosh, we can't have so much debt, we need to, uh, you know, we need to be fiscally uh, responsible. But what fiscally responsible usually means is like we need to do the thing that helps rich people and uh, we need to take it out of the hides of poor people. You know, And so for 100 years it's been like, hey, if we don't screw over poor people this time, the world's going to explode, you know, and then it'll be even worse for poor people. And so every time they take it out of the hides of poor people and... You know, half the time the world still explodes and half the time it doesn't. And I guess, you know, when the world doesn't explode, they say, See, we help poor people. And when the world does explode, they go, Ah, well, you know, something, something. But anyways, there's this whole new school of thought going around, which is uh, basically help out poor people. You know, when you think you got a problem, help poor people out first. See what that does. And so we don't know. It may make the world explode. Uh, I, think we're, I think there's starting to be enough people in support of that idea that we're going to find out. Okay, thanks for listening. Remember to put all your money into the Chilean currency, the chimichanga.